Hi, I'm Kevin the Geologist, and I took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance, and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. 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 From some South American brewery, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and I don't always host a podcast, but when I do, it's an atheist, skeptics, and humanist Canadian podcast. Joining me as usual is the most interesting atheist team in the world. She once gave her mother the talk and went to a psychic to warn her, Nancy. Whoa. <laughs> I warned the psychic and I'm still here. It must have been pretty powerful. He once brought a knife to a gunfight just to even the odds, and when he met the Pope, the Pope kissed his ring, Tyler. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> and a friend from the show, Deb, who, <laughs> if she was to punch you in the face, she'd be strong. you'd have a strong urge to thank her. And she once killed two stones with one bird. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, welcome back. Hope you guys had a good week. Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, it brought us here again. I'm glad to be here. So We're back on the show. All's well that ends well. Exactly. A little chit chat before we get into our show today. We'll be talking about the conspiracy theory of 9/11. We were supposed to do a show on. Uh, we were supposed to have a debate between Tyler and Kevin, but Kevin's not here, and we thought, you know, since 9/11 just passed, we do a show on that instead. Uh, did you guys hear about that story in Winnipeg? This is an interesting story. This is a story about a. Um, a flooring company in Winnipeg. Uh, there was a customer. He w- his bill was overdue by eleven hundred dollars fifty three and nineteen cents. What they did is they took a road sign on the side of the road and say, "Mr. X, your bill is overdue. Come pay your bill." Eleven hundred blah blah blah. And it <laughs> yes. so they put the road sign out out on the road. Yes, very visible. Everybody kind of like mm. shaming, you know. Oh, yeah. defamation of character. Uh, well, that's a good question. Yeah. Were they right to do something like that? I mean, if if the if the situation was reversed, if somebody was to put out a sign saying, oh, you know, don't shop at such and such store because they're crooks, you know, you would get a lawsuit. It's liable. O- it's only liable if you can't prove that it's true. Yeah, well, you can't. I think in either case, you're going to end up. Well, in court. but it's character. It, it would fall, maybe not liable, but it, wouldn't it be character assassination? Although it's not assassinating. <laughs> it's a car- it's a, assassinating his wallet. That, that just, uh-huh. just climb real fast here. Like yeah, I'm taking a roadside of the character exactly. assassination. <laughs> no, I, I think it would, uh, you know, I, I, I'm totally against it. And if I was thinking of buying flooring, I would. You know, avoid them like the plague that because I'm thinking, at what point is that sign going to go up? I mean, if I'm two minutes late, is the sign going to go up with my name on it? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to name the company, uh, but the uh, the company basically said that they tried several times to contact the guy. The customer slash, uh, slash victim basically said he didn't like the job they did, so he refused to pay. Oh, okay. So there was a dispute. So there was a dispute there. That makes it worse on the part of what the flooring company did. Then. Exactly. But I think I think the the flooring company kind of shot themselves in the foot by doing something like that because if I saw that, I would be questioning whether I want to shop at that place too. Was it resolved? Was there anything uh, else? No, it hasn't that, been resolved that, that's yet. That's where it is now. I oh might go to a small gosh. claims court, I guess. Yeah. For how much was the bill? Eleven hundred fifty-three dollars and nineteen cents. Eleven hundred dollars. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's Talk about some negative advertising costs, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. They said there's no such thing as negative advertising. You think they're going to bill them for the sign, too? <laughs> <laughs> they just might. <laughs> oh, another oh news. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Let's, go, let's go south here to our American friends. Um, Trump. Mr. Trump, we can't I've get we can't that, get away I've from him. I've heard that name yeah. somewhere. I've so heard that he's name. He's somewhat familiar. You might have yeah. might have to look him up. Yeah, apparently, he admitted that Obama was actually born in the U.S. now. Oh he finally came boy. out and said, "Yeah, Is he yeah." The I watched him. <laughs> I was watching that. And go you need, better, you need a better hobby, dear. I need <laughs> no, but I was watching. I was watching it because I thought, you know, I, I'm I'm going to get to tell this story. <laughs> so, and I I was right. I was watching, and CNN was making this really big pitch that 
wow, now he's, what is he going to say? Is he finally going to come clean? Is he going to um, apologize? And they were, you know, the talking heads were chatting among themselves and speculating about what he was going to do. And then they turned the whole thing over and there was some Mr. Dump Trump monopolizing the airways by having these um, uh, Medal of Honor winners in his new D.C. hotel. Mm. So he was surrounded by these Medal of Honor winners, all old guys who were saying, yeah, Trump is the greatest, the greatest, the greatest. And this is, a you know, isn't this nice hotel? And I'm, I'm watching this thing go on for, you know, 20, 25 minutes. I'm thinking, when is CNN finally going to call a halt? Well, not only did they call a halt to it, but they finally were outraged. And they were only outraged because it was something that Trump did to the media, not to us, no. not any of the other lies that, you know, that he did to the, to the Democrats or to the, the, uh, the gold uh, star mothers. None of that. No, no. He took advantage of the uh, opportunity to promote himself and his hotel. And at that point, I said, if this doesn't wake those guys up, nothing will. Well, and so the repercussions have been, just been, been wonderful in that now it looks as though they're finally going to reveal some of the investigative journalism stuff that they've been holding back on. I don't know why they're so mad. They've been doing this ever since the beginning of the campaign. They've just been letting him promote himself from day one. Yeah, but he... Why are they he, angry now? Because <laughs> he, 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 although he's trashed the media in terms of, you know, the media, they're awful, they're terrible, they're, they've never pulled, I mean, he has never pulled a stunt like this where he, where the campaign manager said, this is going to be his um, admission, however they worded it. And it turned out to be a hundred percent promotion of, um, of Trump himself. And so the fact that they got snookered into having this promotional time rather than political time finally was the I hate to say the straw it finally burrowed under their skin enough to where it was it was now personal and if that's what it takes to wake up the media, that's fine. But they are lagging behind uh, by yeah, at least a, a year. Little, a little too late. A little too late. But uh, at least if they do it, because now I noticed that there was um, quite a number of, of so-called journalists, analysts, and reporters who were finally coming down on the right side of this uh, uh, campaign. And speaking of uh, U.S. presidential election, Hillary is sick. Well, she had pneumonia. Yeah, I don't know. She had Does pneumonia. she just have pneumonia? Yeah, of course she still had pneumonia. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't. I don't want to give credence to right wing conspiracy, but I but can't. You will anyway. But I will anyway. <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't. I can't help but think there's something a bit more in that. I well, think there's more than just pneumonia there. Because you're going to always think there's more, regardless. She's put out her her records. She took a couple of days off. She's back on the campaign trail. And if it was a man, everybody would say, "Oh, poor guy." How you know, he oh, got no, enough no, rest no, and no, relaxation. No. That's not because she's a woman. It has nothing uh, to do with that. It's um, just, it's I don't know. It's because she's the wrong candidate. Well, I would agree with that, but that's, <laughs> 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 I don't know. I can't, I can't, you know, when they say when there's smoke, there's fire, and I can't, mm, this, I don't know. Well, it's just, you got your skeptical tinfoil hat on. I do. On I've got my tinfoil hat on. And I, I <laughs> she, she also has a habit of fainting, and I've known plenty of people who faint. I've never fainted in my entire life. But the people I know that have fainted have a history of it. This is the third time that she's fainted. Maybe so she's like one of those goats that fainted. <laughs> no, no. I think I, she's I, just prone I, to it. So, I mean, Bernie Sanders might get pneumonia and then not faint publicly. Uh, maybe. maybe. Well, right? so I, I, you know, I think I mean, I've, I've, I've fainted. And I fainted, you know, when I was having a tooth pulled. I have that effect on people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but you know, people who faint, they they suddenly get low blood pressure and down they go, and it's something that is inherited, like sinus trouble. Have you fainted like more than once, Nancy? Um, I I fainted. I almost fainted once from heat stroke, but I didn't didn't quite. But yeah, I I fainted more than once. Second time was no, with second, Elvis. Yeah, twice. When she met Elvis, she fainted too. Yeah, well, that's and then true. and imagine but that's swooning. swooning. That's swooning. That's different and than Hil fainting. Hillary also <laughs> has a much busier schedule and a lot more pressure yeah, than your true. average person. That's so quite if true. She yeah. also has a history of fainting, which is one of the things you said before, Kevin. Was why aren't 
Trump and Bernie, you know, fainting, and that's probably it. She's just more. Prone she's just more prone to fainting, or maybe prone. she's yeah. on her menstrual cycle and she had. Oh, no Jesus. Tyler. <laughs> the comments of Tyler, not necessarily those of Uncle Valley. Low iron. <laughs> Low iron. Oh. Uh, Nancy, you ready to go? I've been going already. Now I got to get back on track. That's what you're saying. <laughs> Let's get back on track. We betcha. Okay, here we go for this day in history, which, as we all know by now, is a roundup of those events and people who altered and illuminated the days between September the 12th to September the 18th. Um, September the 13th was International Chocolate Day and Grandparents' Day. So I hope people brought boxes of chocolates to their grandparents. I brought my grandparents. <laughs> it's a good thing. Dip them in chocolate. There you go. Uh, you dipped your grandparents in chocolate? I was not appreciated. Oh. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I am never welcome back to that chocolate factory again. With sprinkles? <laughs> I mean, that makes a difference. On September the 13th, the World Hockey Association was founded in 1971. But believe it or not, by American promoters Dennis Murphy and Gary David Gary right Davidson. On. What? Yeah, I know. American Americans found they, no. they did in 1971. They. It's a good thing we invented their baseball. Wikipedia says it, so it's got to be true. They included teams uh, without uh, NLH. This is the World Hockey Association, not the NHL. So, okay. Oh, okay. There you go. Okay. <laughs> They included, Still. yeah, they included teams from cities without NL, NHL teams like the Miami Screaming Eagles, the Los Angeles Aces, the Chicago Cougars, and the New York Raiders. So they had a whole different set. But by the end of the season, only six, six teams remained. They were really struggling um, uh, with financial difficulty, and they were unable to make the payrolls. And they came to an agreement with the NHL early in 1979, and the NHL. Um, sort of absorbed them, but of course a lot of the names were changed and players went in different directions. But it's still a day to remember because it has to do with hockey. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. there we go. September the 15th was International Day of Democracy, which is a good thing. Um, And on that date in 1904, Wilbur Wright made his first airplane flight in a state that some of us are more familiar with than others, North Carolina. There we go. There we go. It's an outstanding state. It's a beautiful place. If you haven't been there, go. It's amazing to think in only a a hundred somewhat years of aviation history that That's the right. leap forward is incredible. It, 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 it really is. When it you, must when have you look come at the from aliens. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> alien technology. Can't explain totally. that. Yeah, 1928, Alexander Fleming discovered penicillin. So two good things on that day. Wait a minute. Isn't he the guy that created James Bond? Yeah. Oh, that's Ian Fleming. Sorry. That's, a, that's right. Bread hasn't been safe since. September 17th um, was National Apple Dumpling Day in the U.S. That's today, the 17th. Today's National Apple Dumpling Day. It's nice and cozy. Hurrah! There we go. Um, September 17th um, in 1964. This is a good atheist story. We haven't had a good atheist story for a while. All right. Let me get comfortable with this. Okay. On September 17th, Canadian um, Justice Minister Guy Favreau said that being an atheist should not in any way be a barrier to becoming a Canadian citizen. Now, here's the background on that. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Here's the background to that. After the Second World War, there were a lot of people who immigrated into Canada. Some went to the United States, some went to Canada. And there were a lot that came from the Netherlands. Well, one of the the couples that came from the Netherlands was a couple named Ernest and Cornelia Bergsma. And they um, ended up at the uh, Haldeman County Court in Cayuga for their April 3rd, 1963 citizenship hearing. They anticipated no problems with the application for citizenship. They'd been there for a while. They were settled. He was employed, everything. Um, he, he went was employed at Stelco and Hamilton. Um, and they had settled in Caledonia with three children. They had a fourth that was born in Canada, so they thought when they filled everything out, it was a slam dunk. They were really nice people. They weren't activists. They, they were just nice, good people who were going to become good Canadians. So they filled uh, out the paperwork, and a judge whose name was Wilfred Leach presided over the hearing. So according to Ernest, 
Bergsma, the uh, judge asked where they came from and how long they'd been in the country and all that kind of stuff. And then he asked why they came to Canada and what kind of newspaper they read and who was the premier of Ontario, regular, regular stuff. And then Leach said, what church do you attend? And Ernest said, none. And the judge said, you don't believe in God? And he was dumbfounded, and he paused for a minute, and he said, no, I don't. So the judge then said, do you know that this is a Christian company, a a Christian country? Um, And Leach Leach then went on, according to court, uh, court transcript, saying, you must believe in something. The oath of allegiance doesn't mean anything if you don't believe in God. The things we believe in in this country stand for Christian values and the teachings of Jesus Christ. Oh, God. And then he added, not everybody follows this, but that's what we try to attain in this country, the Christian way of life. I feel you must have some kind of faith, but you don't seem to believe in anything from what I can gather. As I understand from your evidence, you have no religion at all. And then he denied their application because in the judge's opinion, under Section 10 of the Canadian Citizenship Act, the Bergmas were not of good character, a judgment he based on their professed atheism. So, um, The irony of that is when you're Christian, you're not supposed to judge. Yeah, but he was the <laughs> judge. He did ju- here come to judge, and he judged. <laughs> and they tried twice to be able to, to do this, and in both cases, they were denied. So they finally got people who are on, on their side, and um, then the, uh, they informed the newspaper, and uh, then, then finally it went to the justice minister, uh, Faroe. So when he, when he looked at it, um, he decided that, uh, that in, a, in a unanimous decision, he brought it to committee, he brought it to an unanimous decision by Chief Justice Dana Porter and Justices Colin Gibson and F.G. McKay, the Ontario, when it went finally to the Court of Appeal, the committee sent it to the Court of Appeal. And the Court of Appeal ruled that lack of religious belief alone is not a ground on which citizenship court should decide against an application for citizenship. And they further said that while the Burismas entertained certain honest convictions and intellectual doubts which persuaded them to reject the idea of the existence of a supreme being, they could replace the oath with an affirmation of allegiance in terms determined by the Minister of Citizenship and Immigration. That was in, Yeah, that was in 1964, and then there was a white paper that was issued that it totally um, overhauled the immigration policy in 1966. So they can swear and affirm there is no longer in the in the oath now an so allegiance it, to God. In their way, they changed the laws in, of this country. In the, in, the way, oh, yeah. in the way they did. But can you imagine a judge sitting there and saying, this is a Christian country? I, mean, uh, <laughs> I cringe whenever I hear that. And that was in 64. Yeah. The Native Americans might disagree with that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. If you don't believe in the rate, great raven, you're not welcome. And anyway, that's a that's a really good atheist story that, that turned out well. And that, dear listeners, brings to a close another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusual, and occasionally bizarre. No, nothing bizarre this time. I don't know. Uh, There's always a little that? bizarre. I know. I've got to make two bizarre events next time. If not, it, it's the host of the show. Then. That's right. <laughs> and people that make up this day in history. Thank you, Nancy. And we'll be right back right after this. Hi, I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatchers such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. Now it's time 
for an atheistaudiobooks.com sneak preview. The happy atheist disproving Christianity after faith in constitution and God baptized atheist the God virus. Here is an excerpt from The Good News Club. The Christian Rights Stealth Assault on America's Children by Catherine Stewart. This book had its beginnings in one of those events that at first seems too small to matter until suddenly it becomes too big to ignore. When a program called The Good News Club showed up on a roster of after-school activities at my daughter's public elementary school in Santa Barbara, California, I didn't give it much thought. The club advertised itself as a non-denominational Bible study program for children of kindergarten age and older, and it required parental consent for children to participate. I soon found out, however, that the Good News Club is very different from what it appears to be. More importantly, I discovered that the club is really just one small part of a much larger story that should be of concern to anyone who cares about the future of public education, or indeed the future of secular democracy in the United States. The Good News Club The Christian Rights Stealth Assault on America's Children is now available on AtheistAudiobooks.com A Canadian, a New Yorker, and a Southern Belle walked into a podcast. And all hell broke loose. Seriously, though, what happens when we three ladies get together? Well, definitely a lot of talking. And accents. Funny accents. Well, I don't have an accent, but my co-hosts sure do. We mix North, South, and the Great White North together for two hours of pure secular discussion. Nothing is off-limits. From goofy religions like Scientology, woo like ghost hunting and alternative medicine, to hardcore history, hermeneutics, sex, and science, we cover it all. What the heck is a hermeneutic? Well, it's not a guy named Herman who sings falsetto, that's for sure. Join Beth, Ashley, and myself, Deborah, every Monday night at 9.30pm Eastern, and we take you beyond the trailer park and bring the conversation to life. Join us live on YouTube and participate in the conversation via the Q&A system, or catch us later on Spreaker, Stitcher, iTunes, and Nobex. Visit www.beyondthetrailerpark.com for links to the show and our upcoming schedule. Bring your wine and sweet tea and settle in for fun facts and free thinking. We happily wear the explicit tag, though, so make sure to wash out your mouth with something tasty before listening. That's live at 9.30pm Eastern on YouTube. Come give us a like and a share, no matter what type of accent you have. And we're back. Our next guest is an engineer right out of Florida. Please, ladies and gentlemen, would you be so kind to welcome John Henrik to the show. Hi, John. Hello, this is John Henrik. That's our live audience. That's our live audience. Yeah, they just love you up here. Yeah, welcome, John. We wish we were down in sunny Florida today. It's a little, little hazy, rainy up here in, in British Columbia today. It's absolutely gorgeous here. John, for our audience that don't, obviously does not know you, would you be so kind to give us a Reader's Digest introduction as to who you are? Born in Maine. That's, came not, your to fault. Florida. That's not your fault, man. I, I have studied civil engineering and uh, worked in the uh, construction industry, the uh, everything from nuclear facilities to uh, what have you i was city engineer for two different cities and now i'm retired well that sounds fun <laughs> <laughs> and now you're retired just riding your bike and having fun down for that's for sure a bicycle motorcycle kayak and powerboat well thank you for, thank you for joining us on the show and today we'll be discussing about the uh, conspiracy theories behind 9-11 but first, before we do that, we do our fun segment that we always love called Another Brilliant Moment, brought to you by religion. Oh, yes. The fancy world of religion. 
Now, I've got a great story here, and I want your opinion. Hopefully, you guys can tell me. Which, since I've got two ladies in the room, I really want to talk about that one, too. Now, That's according the first time for you, huh, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't make me mute you. According to a bizarre sermon by Pastor Chris... Oh, God. Oyak Lilomi? Oh, I don't know. I don't care what his name is. Yeah, that pastor Chris, the senior pastor of Christ Embassy Ministries, an online church, women need to do a better job of listening to their husbands. I agree. Because the only <laughs> successful marriage is one where women obey their masters. Oh, boy, I can see some steam rising <laughs> from my two ladies here. Husband does not mean that the male partner in a marriage... Husband means master, he says. The reason for most problems in Christian marriages is the fact that women refuses God's definition of marriage and form theirs. They believe they're equal partners. If most women had their fathers bold, well, if most women had their fathers bold enough to talk to them, they would be very successful in their marriage and they will be very happy people. I'm not even going to keep on going with this. I'm just going to Okay, release so, this. Okay, so we know he's single, but how many times has he been divorced? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, right. just, I'm just wondering if the man feels comfortable eating meals at home yeah. because I know what I would be doing. He's got a lot of Swanson <laughs> meals. Didn't Kurt Cameron say the exact same thing? Yes, and actually his sister, incredibly enough, agreed with him. That's the one from Full House, I think. Oh, I don't know. Well, yeah, you yeah, see. Yeah. One of those horrible I mean, 80s sitcoms. Her father was obviously bold enough to talk to her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John, any oh. thoughts on that story? I've uh, seen that story on the internet. I uh, also have read the Bible four times, and I know that that's exactly what Paul, I think it's Paul, says in the Bible, that uh, he wants everything to be the man's world. Hold on a second, John. Some, something could just call me here. You read the Bible four times? Uh-huh. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I was a young living on a farm up in Maine, with nothing else, we had no TV, nothing else, so there was nothing else to do. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. Fair both, enough, fair both, enough. Both Testaments? Oh yeah, the whole book. All right. He's better than I. I. I read it twice, but... Yeah, I think it says uh, man is head of the woman the way Jesus is head of the church. But we all know <laughs> that even if the man is the head of the household, when the neck decides to turn, the head always follows. Otherwise, we have death. Yeah, that's <laughs> that pretty much sums up my relationship. No, I I'm very very tolerant. Uh, uh, I I think uh, the man should not be the uh, dictator in the home. Somebody's got to be the dick, and somebody's got to be the tater, right? Oh, <laughs> that's, that's not good. The comments of Deb are not necessarily those of left the Valley superiors. I like her already. You, you know, as, as 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 much as we can we can mock and make fun of this poor soul, you, you have to. It, it's sad to think how many people are still in that frame of mind that need to be liberated. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the, the worst part of it is that they raise their little girls to believe that kind yeah. of thing. Oh, you know? but they That's raise their I, sons to believe yeah. the same thing. Yeah. You have there's two parts to that story. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. yeah, but there's a chance their sons are going to get their ass kicked by their. Exactly. Feet. Girlfriends, anyway. yeah. the girls have less of a chance. Uh, but my my philosophy when I was uh, uh, dating or uh, attached with somebody was always: I make the big decisions, she makes the small decisions. But she decides to get she decides she gets to decide what's a big and a small decision. <laughs> <laughs> that saves everybody. <laughs> I've got another story for you guys. Uh, speaking of uh, male and women relationship, uh, after a youth pastor in Ohio raped a teen girl, church officials. Asked the young victim to apologize to her rapist wife. Yep. Incredibly enough, this is Brian Mitchell, a North Olmsted youth pastor, who will spend a decade in prison for raping a 16-year-old girl who was also a member of his church. He's 31. He pleaded guilty to four counts of sexual battery. Um, Mitchell has sexually abused a teen at least two separate occasions. On a letter to the court recounting her, her horrific experience at the hands of the demented youth pastor, young named girl wrote that. I gave him no permission. I clearly said no. I didn't want to. After the youth pastor was arrested, repeatedly raping the unnamed teen girl, officials at the Columbia World Baptist Church, it's always the Baptist, blamed and shamed the young victim and forbade the family of the unnamed teenager from attending services until she apologized to the wife of the pastor. Uh, you know, <laughs> some stories like that are so bad 
that trying to you know trying to get your head around it to say something meaningful is just impossible it's awful it's horrid it shouldn't be it shouldn't be happening <laughs> I well, just, but wait. unbelievable Unfortunately, it happened to my parents. Oh, my parents oh. went to a Baptist church. They found out from some of the young girls that the uh, assistant pastor was messing with them. So they took it to the deacons, and the deacons kicked them out of the church. You shall not pass! He was doing them a favor. They didn't belong there. <laughs> well, I thought they were doing them a favor because, oh. you know, like the, the article says that they forbade them from coming back to the church. That's not really yeah. a punishment in my eyes. That's actually, you know, salvation. <laughs> they don't I wasn't to go coming back, back anyways. No, I mean, I guess it's just another way to, that shows how, how many different ways people's minds can get distorted, you know, so far beyond reality that it's it's difficult to have a conversation with them because they just, they their worldview is just nuts. Yeah, oh, absolutely. There's no other way of putting it. It, it is uh, crazy, and that's what religion does to your brain. Well, it's the infallibility thing, you know. Whatever happens, it's not the church's fault. It had to be the girl's fault. It had to be the little boy's fault. Whatever it is. That's why the Catholic Church was just shipping them around, right? They would molest kids, and then they just ship them to a different country. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's bad enough. Well, anyway, let's move on to something interesting. So... Today, we are talking since we just had 9-11 go by, 16 years now, is it 15, 15 years? 15, 15. years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're still talking about that horrible event. Uh, I think in every generation has one event that people talk about, and they, where were you when JFK was killed? And for my generation, is where were you on 9-11? And we have the pleasure of having the John with us as a structural engineer that can uh, help us debunk some of the myth. John, you good with doing that? I'm here. Perfect. So, who wants to go first, John? Tyler, you want to go? Yeah, like the reason I invited John <laughs> on the show is because well, he's been a, a long-time member of some of the Facebook groups that I'm a part of and run, and him and I have kind of debated side-by-side side on this subject with other people, and he destroyed them worse than I did, so figured I'd bring him on and, and, and talk about it and... Part of the the new stuff that has come out is there was this article this guy posted and it said uh, 15 years after 9-11, uh, Science Journal is what it said, uh, a physics science journal has declared that there definitely was controlled demolition. It's from a th- Free Thought Project. Yeah, I know that sounds really reliable, doesn't it? Mm. And then you click on it, physics science journal turns into... A magazine where four physicists who watched some video footage decided. I'm like, get out of here. Really? People don't open links. They're just like, wow, physics, science, you journal. Know, it's, it's interesting you say that because a lot of time when we debate philosophy and things like that, you'll have engineers interjecting their opinion and you say, oh, you know, you're not a physicist. You really shouldn't be talking about this. Now we have the other way around. Now we have an engineer that has the expertise to debunk this. And now we have physicists coming in and say, oh, of course. Right? <laughs> So, John, give us your thoughts on the whole collapse of the Twin Towers. Okay. Uh, I was working at an engineering company at the time they came down, and uh, the engineering company that I worked for was hired to uh, analyze Building 7 and determine how long it would take to rebuild it. So for the next six months, I uh, poured over those plans, worked on them, Worked through all the uh, videos, the uh, everything relative to Building 7, as well as I got an interest in Building 1 and 2 and talked to some engineers and worked with uh, other people that uh, were involved in it. And uh, I spent uh, the last 15 years <laughs> debating, working, analyzing it, and uh, that's where I come from. Okay, so question is, well, <laughs> what question do we ask about this? Were these buildings brought down by, by uh, dynamite stored on the columns? Was, was this a controlled demolition? Was this an inside job? <laughs> I spent uh, all day yesterday working with uh, one of those, uh, I think they're a 1,000 uh, or 16,000, I mean, uh, different, websites that uh, 
try to debunk that uh, the failure for the uh, Twin Towers was the uh, fasteners at the end of the uh, floors, uh, where the floors connect to the columns, and they tried to tried to find anything and everything they could possibly think of to work against all uh, the uh, Twin Towers, the uh, Building Seven, the Pentagon, uh, and if I if let's see, can you see this guy? Uh, no, uh, oh. camera's not turned on. <laughs> this this is a little uh, cartoon character. He's the one that took them all down. I mean, that's that's as bad as what all these uh, uh, conspiracy theorists come up with. You know, it's it's whatever they can possibly think of, and yet it was very simple. Come on, John. You're lying to us. Come on. We've been lied to you. We know that the load of fuel from the aircraft was the cause of structural failure. No kerosene can burn hot enough to melt steel. Stop lying to us, John. <laughs> the kerosene uh, blew out. It, two-thirds of it stayed in the building, started fires. Uh, when the explosion happened, the uh, um, material that uh, was the mineral... Uh, material that was the uh, fireproofing, it crystallized that. It just uh, turned it into crystal, which uh, was no longer a, uh, a factor in trying to keep the steel cold, uh, or at least protect it from the uh, 2,000 degree heat that the uh, fires uh, contributed so, so because so you're saying that uh, at 2,000 degrees normally it doesn't burn hot enough, but uh, the the uh, are you saying essentially that the steel didn't necessarily have to melt for it to oh, uh, no. to, to collapse? <laughs> the uh, uh, videos of the piles and piles and piles of all that steel out on uh, Staten Island uh, don't show a single uh, piece of melted steel. There's there's no you don't have to melt the steel to do uh, the damage that was done. You, uh, all that had to be done was heat up the connections uh, and the uh, trusses holding up the concrete floors enough so they sagged and ripped the uh, brackets that were holding them off the wall. And what I do is I uh, teach my kids when I uh, teach um, um, but I take a uh, yardstick and I have the kids hold it every every inch up and down and then you can push on the top and you can push with all your might and nothing happens so then I tell the kids okay start, I take a few off they take some off take more off and then all of a sudden it they push the pressure will bend it and then it'll break so that's what happened to the uh, World Trade Center. When you take the floors off, then uh, instead of having a, uh, a yardstick with a, that's attached all the way, it will flex and then the building will come down. Yeah, see, that molten steel argument is one of the most common things that I've seen. And the sources that I'm using here is, is things like PBS, uh, Popular Mechanics, and me being blind, obviously, I can't see it. But it's the explanation is exactly what you said, is that there was fires in the building that caught on to you know office supplies and drywall and stuff like that. And these conspiracy theorists are pointing to that, saying, look, that's liquid steel. And we're saying, no, that's a whole bunch of shit burning all together. But if there, was, if there was molten steel, you would find a bunch of pools of it in the basement and none was found. The, uh, what they're looking at is uh, apparently there was a lot of aluminum in one spot. And uh, hot aluminum that's mixed with uh, trash, when it, when it burns, it is yellow. And uh, it poured out of the side of the building. That yeah. was some aluminum uh, that uh, was burning. Okay, uh, but let's go back to the steel and the heat there for a sec. Um, um, senior engineer Farid Alf... Oh, God, I'm asking his name. Let's just call him Farid. Of the American Institute of Steel Construction says that um, 
steel lose about 50% of its strength at 1,100 degrees. Is that true? Right. That's correct. So, so by the time it reaches 1,800 degrees, then the, the structure of the, the, the interior of the steel is probably like down to the 20 or 10%. So more, it's more like a spaghetti, and instead of the uh, where it's dry and when it's wet, it so it doesn't <laughs> have it doesn't have to melt. It just has to bend. No, right, no. it's going to warp. Yeah, it, it warps. Yep. Yeah, well, and then you've got all this pressure, the the weight of everything else pulling on it. Correct me if I'm wrong here, John, but uh, I'm not sure if you guys have seen why the towers fell. It's a PBS Nova documentary, and it basically said that these buildings were built to withstand being hit by a plane. They were built to withstand extreme fires but they weren't built for both combined but when you say plane are you talking about you know the cessna Cessna or a jet yeah the jet the jet as well but they they were designed for uh 707 uh to hit it but that wasn't the uh the the strongest they uh i mean it had to be even designed for 120 mile per hour winds that was much more of a strain on the buildings than a building, I mean, a plane hitting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, you know, when, when we saw the, the footage of the buildings collapse, as each tower was collapsing, you could see, if you focus your lens there, you could actually see puffs of dust and smoke that are ejected from each uh, side of the building as it collapsed. What, what, what are those? I mean... There was one, uh, even at, just before it started collapsing, that there was a puff of smoke that came out one of the vents. Uh, you, when you've got uh, all the uh, um, gypsum board and everything else being crushed, you get a lot of dust. And that's what you are seeing is uh, dust being pushed out the uh, vents. Okay. So so I guess this is where we can understand why it looked like a, a, for, for the untrained eye. It looks like a person, a charge was set and exploded and then mm-hmm. collapsed the window or broke the window and then it fell on top. That's what the uh, the average layman thinks. Okay, let's, let's go back to uh, the idea of explosion, explosives in the buildings. Uh, so somebody had to come up with the idea, okay, we're going to take some planes and we're going to hit two, those two tire towers and the... Uh, uh, the debris is going to hit Building 7. So now we're going to go over and uh, surreptitiously put tons of uh, thermite, is what they're uh, super thermite, <laughs> since thermite didn't, didn't pass muster. So they went to super thermite <laughs> in these buildings at the levels that they pre-selected as to where the planes were going to hit. And uh, that they were going to put it in Building 7, uh, knowing that a, a third of the building, the face of the building, uh, uh, was going to be ripped out by those uh, huge steel beams and columns. Uh, so, okay, so we've got the scenario. Why bother? If you, <laughs> Why not? Uh, one idea was, why not just uh, go over to Iraq and do a play a scenario that oh they do have nuclear material here instead of doing all this elaborate getting the airplanes getting the dynamite or thermite or whatever it it is just absolutely an insane way to think about it yeah see i used to believe in this conspiracy until i really thought about it and anybody who thinks that they're going to do what you said, you know, fly planes into the buildings and absolutely have to count on parts of the buildings hitting Tower 7 and then having to be able to actually sneak into the building and plant these explosives, which would leave physical evidence behind. Anybody who believes that is not CIA material. I mean, <laughs> if, if you're going to try to pull something off like that, you're going to want to leave the least amount of physical evidence behind possible. So the logical thing to do would have been just to pay off some radical Islamic group to fly planes into the building and then be done with it. Right. Hmm. Why would you leave physical evidence like that? It's just completely unnecessary. Uh, that's part of the plan of the Illuminati, so, don't you know? <laughs> so <laughs> the, other, the other damning thing, which was one of the things that I had believed, was that, um, what's the guy's name, Larry Silverstein or something, the guy that owned the buildings? guy just bought it what was it uh six or eight weeks before 
Well, what well, I, what I was gonna, things... no, what I was going to say is that there's that yeah. clip of him saying we should just pull the building, like Tower Seven. No, he didn't say pull the building. Well, He's... what he meant was pull the firefighters out so they don't right. die. But then right. they quote mind it to make it sound like pull the building, as in blow it up and take it down. Yeah, that's that's insane. So I'm just trying to cover as many myths as possibly. So go on with what you're saying about six weeks prior. The, he bought the building, and the uh, myth that uh, he was going to get a lot of money out of the insurance company, I was working with the insurance companies. <laughs> the first thing that they did was they said, number one, the, we've never even signed the uh, insurance policy. They had not put together the policy yet. He, he owned the building, but the, the insurance policy, they were still negotiating as to what the insurance policy was going to say. And number two, in the policy, it had a uh, phrase that uh, said that if it was a terrorist act, that this policy is null, null and void. Well, there, so, there goes the financial incentive. So the, 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 his financial incentive was gone right there. So right there, it just proves my theory. Insurance companies are in on it. <laughs> They're the ones doing all this. You cannot trust insurance companies. No, the insurance company, the, uh, at the fir their first meeting, one guy stood up and said, since this was a uh, terrorist act, we're not giving them a penny. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? So uh, the rest of the guys kind of... Uh, looked at him and Askins, and they, I think they decided that they uh, would never do any business in New York if they, if they came up with that and, uh, and, and never paid him anything. But it's still, I think it's still in court as to uh, what they are going to pay him or if anything. Well, and my, my official position here is I don't think it's even falsifiable whether there was a conspiracy in general or not. But the whole controlled demolition thing has absolutely been completely debunked in my mind. I'm not saying there was definitely not any conspiracy whatsoever, but this part of it and as well as the, uh, what was that, Flight 193 and then the whole Pentagon missile thing. In my mind, those have all been completely debunked, but that doesn't mean there wasn't some type of conspiracy. Inconceivable! <laughs> well, I don't know who you'd say that was a conspirator. Yeah, I mean, obviously they say that, you know, the Bush administration, so they could go over and, as an excuse, the insurance companies are the conspirator. to go into Afghanistan and Iraq, <laughs> which, which I don't care about anyways, because there's no evidence for or against it, and it makes no difference to me. I'm trying to deal with the stuff where there's actual demonstrable scientific evidence well, one way or another. People who have conspiracy theories have them for their own... Uh, own reason. I was going to say their own pleasure. <laughs> no, but that's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah that's, that's more it, accurate. Actually, it, yeah, and regardless of the fact, regardless of the facts, ma'am, they're going to find something to cling to that theory and to be able to write the books and get online and have meetings and wear funny hats and do the whole thing. So the fact that all these theories and myths come up, I think, are interesting, but they have absolutely no no validity, and it must draw. Um, uh, people, do they drive you nuts, John, or do you just kind of take them, you know, like flies to be swatted? No, he he loses his <laughs> shit. I like, yes, like yesterday, <laughs> I spent the entire day going through one of their videos, one point after another, at uh, 13 minutes and 20 seconds, they say thus and so, so I just say, no, that can't have happened, you don't have any evidence for that, you know, da 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 I'm an engineer, I just <laughs> pick them apart. <laughs> well, my, my, my theory is, I think ICBC killed JFK, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to stick to that, and uh, I don't care if you don't have any evidence. Well, and, and I did believe this conspiracy, so maybe it's just the way that my brain is wired that I care about what is true, and I didn't want to just dismiss everything. Because that's what they do. John and I were debating this guy the other day, and it doesn't matter who you cite. Oh, they were paid off. That's the excuse. No matter what it is, they yeah. were disappeared, or they were paid off, or Tell whatever you, man, it's, it is. It's ICBC. They got plenty of money. <laughs> John, how much? Uh, speaking of Building 7, how much debris fell on that building? Do we know? Oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> All of it. I don't know what your question is. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? 
Oh, it's just that uh, the, the claim is that nothing hit Building 7, and then it collapsed. Oh, a, thir- a third of the uh, south face of the building was just carved out by uh, the, those huge uh, exterior steel members of uh, the, the tower. I mean, it was, it was, and nobody can see it uh, through the smoke, so they deny it. That's uh, uh, kind of uh, where they're coming from as well. You look at the video of the north side of the building and you see see there's nothing wrong with that building, you know. And you look at the column of smoke that's coming off the uh, south side of the building. I mean, it was incredibly involved. The the other thing that they uh, most people don't know is that underneath Building 7, there uh, was a subway and Con Ed, uh, half of the uh, site was uh, covered with Con Ed and their generators and 109,000 gallons of fuel um, in, in the uh, on the north side of the site. So when they built Building 7, they uh, had to uh, sidestep all the uh, different uh, generators down below, so they, it wasn't a uh, uniform foundation underneath that at all. So, and th- what they did over the uh, subways, they uh, put a great big auditorium. So you've got the uh, 47-story building with a very flimsy foundation underneath it to begin with, and then on top of the building, the there were two giant water towers, water tanks. So they had a dead weight up there on the top of the building that was immense. Um, once the uh, face of the building was ripped out, the uh, uh, water lines that went from the uh, top of the uh, building were severed, and the uh, n- the water ta- tanks were of no value. You couldn't get water out of them. So it was sitting there full of water, Two two huge tanks that took up the entire top of that building, a huge dead load right there that uh, nobody takes into account when that thing came down. So basically added weight, a damaged sprinkler system so they couldn't really put out the fires very easily, and then extra fuel to the fire. They didn't have uh, firemen. All all the firemen were, were working on buildings one and two. Nobody, they didn't have enough firemen then to go in building seven. And then as it was burning pretty heavily, they said, this thing's going to go anyway. So get all the people out and go with it. Be, uh, they, uh, that building was uh, ready to go from the get-go. So you essentially had flimsy construction. Um, uh, no. <laughs> no, not flimsy <laughs> construction. Just, just like a spider, flimsy you know, foundation type. for okay. a reason. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's not not flimsy, but it's uh, not standard. Not as strong as the other ones. Well, was Building Seven a very old building? No. Do we know? No. No, that was uh, all. They were all built together in the seventies. Uh, oh, it was just made on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, do we want to get into the uh, the whole Pentagon? Thing? I do. Okay. Let's and go. and flight was it one ninety three? Did I get that right? Flight seventy seven. No, the one that they claim never actually. I think it's just flight ninety three. Went down in the de- in the field. I think it's just flight. Okay, ninety three. I don't know. Same one ninety three. But okay. Yeah. Uh, you wanted to start with the Pentagon. Yeah. Go for it. Okay. The Pentagon. Uh, you asked me to go for it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Uh, the Pentagon. Uh, one. Uh, pilot says, oh, no, it could never have happened. The plane at that level going that fast, the ground effect would never let the plane go down that low. And I just sat there and shook my head thinking, okay, a plane going 500 miles an hour near the ground can't stay in the air. So, Okay, so any plane that's about ready to uh, crash, you just get it going nice and fast near the ground, and then it can't fall. <laughs> the whole whole scenario in his head doesn't make any sense. Uh, secondly, he said, well, all the uh, light poles had uh, just fallen over. Well, that's not what the photographs show. They, they 
clipped them, cut them right in half with the wings of the uh, airplane. And then he said, well, the uh, adjustment for the uh, elevation uh, would have taken the uh, plane 300 feet above the uh, uh, Pentagon. And uh, no. And then he said that uh, there should have been three holes, one for the fuselage, one for each engine, but there's only one hole that was uh, 16 feet diameter. Well, that's not true. The, uh, the photographs show almost 200 feet wide that it was uh, destruction. And then um, he said that uh, after the plane went 300 feet over, then a missile came and hit it. And <laughs> I'm looking at him saying, okay, how come... Uh, we, we have some conspiracy theorists that say no plane hit it, and then other conspiracy theorists says, well, there is no evidence from a, uh, an airplane, and then you have another person that says, well, the engines that were found had serial numbers that shouldn't have been on that airplane. <laughs> so, okay, we've got engines in place, I mean, in, in the debris, and we have no engines in place, I mean, these guys are just all over the map. And then you have um, bodies that they found. They found the uh, uh, black boxes. They found uh, the uh, engines, like I said. They found the uh, uh, landing gear. Um, and people were picking up. I have seen videos of people picking up pieces of the airplane all over the lawn. So, <laughs> yeah, but those were those people were paid to say that. So to okay, go. yes, and uh, all the people that were sitting on the highway that the plane went over their head were all paid to say no, we didn't see that airplane coming over our heads. Wait a minute, you're saying here <laughs> that when that plane hit, we we should not have seen or expected a cartoon-like hole in the wall, the exact shape of the plane with the wings and everything? That's not what we should expect? <laughs> this is a concrete reinforced with blast-proof windows. I mean, this wasn't like the World Trade Center. Uh, World Trade Center, you saw the, the uh, image of the whole plane cutting in. Well, this concrete building was a lot stronger than that. So, so all my structural uh, learning that I've learned from uh, Bugs Bunny cartoons... <laughs> of you know the the exact shape of the, the uh, Bugs Bunny going through a wall, all that is wrong. That's completely wrong. <laughs> it, it is true in the World Trade Center, but not in the uh, Pentagon. <laughs> oh, Kevin, does that mean we've got to take that BBU diploma in engineering right. off the wall? Yeah, I take down my diploma. Oh. Thanks a lot, John. Oh, my whole world's been shattered now. Yeah. <laughs> what about the um, supposed surveillance tapes from like I think it was like a corner store or something? You know what I'm talking about john yep what about that Did that I plane's flying what 500 600 miles an hour or something or knots or i'm not sure which that what that was but uh when you have a very limited sight view let's say your your camera is looking at you know 200 300 feet wide uh that's only gonna you're only gonna get one or two frames <laughs> of something that's blurred <laughs> I think the claim was that these camera or this camera would have caught it, but the FBI or whoever took it and won't release it to the public. So I haven't heard anything about it since. Either it was just a blur, you know, a couple of you know, a frames of of something blurred going by. It's it's probably nothing worth anything. Well, that or you don't want to release, you know, video footage of people's loved ones smashing into a building and dying. That's true, too. I probably wouldn't want to release that if I were them either. Hold well, on they, uh, it was on. live TV on uh, World Trade Center. <laughs> Hold on now. If we talk about the Pentagon, there was a claim, and I'm going to put my uh, conspiracy hat on. Many Pentagon windows remained in one piece, even the ones just above the point of impact from the 757. So, obviously... It shows that it was a missile that hit the, th the thing and not an airplane, Again, right? Again, reinforced. Blast-proof building. Yeah. Hey, hey, John was supposed to debunk me, not you guys. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the other thing, I, I have a good friend that uh, I've been sailing with for uh, 40 years. Uh, I went sailing with him the other day, day and he was saying, 
No, no planes hit anything. They were all missiles. That I said, well, where are the planes? And he said, oh, they took them to an island down in the Bahamas. And I said, so we've got uh, hundreds of people down there in the islands on, on those airplanes? And he said, yeah, they're just keeping them there to keep them quiet. It's the island of Dr. Moreau, I believe. If I th- we build I, th- I think Elvis wall. is also there. We can keep all of them from coming back to here. <laughs> all, all the uh, phone calls, uh, people say, well, you can't make a phone call from an airplane. And uh, I said, well, when in my, on my job in five years, I, threw a, I flew 1,015 times. And every once in a while, I'd pull out my phone, you know, it's not right, but <laughs> and see if I could call somebody as we were landing. And absolutely, you can make a phone call. Not always the best uh, connection to, uh, but uh, you definitely can make phone calls. And uh, the some of the phone calls were made from the uh, plane's internal phone that is uh, used by the uh, flight attendants. Uh, you know, so that was those those phones were made for uh, airplane to ground phone calls so uh, their contention that uh, the phone calls were fake is not very um, believable did you see the documentary loose change john i've seen so many okay well <laughs> you, you you probably have seen it and that's just kind of how people are this must be true they made a documentary about it yeah well i'd say most documentaries i've seen are crap but that's one of the points that they make in the documentary is at this certain amount of, you know, thousands of feet, you can't make a phone call. Well, you can. It, yeah. they, it just it works. It just doesn't work very well. And there was right. a, there was apparently a lot of calls that were reported from the plane that ended up getting dropped simply because they were too high up. Yep. So they went that's from it. it doesn't work well to it doesn't work at all. Therefore, if you watch Jesse Ventura... They've got this computer program that can simulate your voice and just all this crazy stuff that they just run away conspiracy. Jesse Ventura is going to come here and put you in a chokehold. <laughs> He's a big guy. <laughs> well, I, uh, my uh, sailing buddy, I did call him from the air, air when I was still in the air, and I left a message on his, on his phone saying, "I'm uh, we're still you know a thousand feet in the air." And I'm talking to you on my phone. <laughs> Didn't matter. He he wasn't there. <laughs> Left had to leave a message, but he didn't believe me anyway. All right. So I guess in conclusion, John, um, if you were to recommend some reading material for people that are not persuaded about the truth of uh, what happened on 9/11, what would you recommend? Uh, the first one is uh, on YouTube. Uh, v equals three five five O H C X nine one one eight. It's a Discovery Channel from the UK, and it's entitled "How the Twin Towers Collapsed." The um, the conspiracy people say there's there was no steel. You know, it was all immediately shipped off. Well, they have videos of these guys analyzing all. All these inspectors inspecting all the steel. They uh, had put numbers on each one of the uh, members as to where in the buildings they came from. They they were analyzing all the steel right there, you know. And, and they're saying, "Oh, there's no evidence. It was all taken away." Yeah, that's the exact same program that I was referencing from uh, Nova PBS. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, John, for being with us today. We certainly appreciate your insight into this whole uh, conspiracy of 9-11. But before I let you go, I've got a small favor to ask you. Can I get you to say, hi, I'm John Henrik, and I took a left at the valley? (laughs) Hi, I'm John Herrick, and I took a left (laughs) somewhere. And that was John from Florida. Great conversation, great guy. He's uh, very knowledgeable. 
Yeah, he is, and he was there at the time. You know, with the not only with the the engineering firm, but also uh, with the uh, the insurance. So he, he gives us authentic information from uh, all sides, all different sides. Yeah, I I couldn't stump him. I tried. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, you want to add something that you didn't know about John? Oh, no, just uh, was going to recommend that if anybody is interested in learning more th about this subject, they should look up the uh, debate between Loose Change, that silly documentary, and Popular Mechanics. They cover pretty much everything. They go into a little bit more than we had time for today, like with Flight 93, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. And there's certainly more information you can find out there. Thank you so much, guys, for being on the show. Deb, thank you for being on the show. Hey, that, was, that wasn't too bad, was it? No. Yeah, welcome, no, Deb. Come back many times. Love to have you. Coming up, we have David Silverman. That should be October 1st, and we should have a lot of fun with that. We've got a great October month. We also have the Gospel According to John. should be fun. We should be talking about St. Paul with our friend David Fitzgerald. We also have the Satanist will be appearing on our show. And, of course, our always coveted Halloween episode with go. our friends from the Legion of Reason. So we got a great October coming up. You can always reach us at leftofthevalley.com. You can follow us on Facebook, at Twitter. You can send me an email or a death threat at leftofthevalleyatoutlook.com. Guys, thank you so much. Until next time. Intelligent people can reach the conclusion that all non-believers are evil. What a fucked up statement. Do you realize what you're saying? But according to your book, this is how your God made me. Skeptical of anything that contradicts history, denies evolution, hates science, promotes mystery. I'd rather see the truth than to bask in my own ignorance. Rather be alone than surrounded by damn idiots. As long as there's a breath in my body, you can bet your last dollar. Culture, only true on a regional scale. Science is universal. For you to say that Horus isn't real, but Jesus is, or Zeus, Thor, Mithra, Vishnu, you don't believe in them. I think the reason is apparent. You do what you're told and believe in the God assigned by your parents. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance, and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claim. That's something to be ashamed I'm an atheist